This is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. The online world, as everyone knows, can often be a cesspool. But today on the Input Output podcast, we have two stories about how great the internet can actually be. So that means we can visit most any museum in the world without even leaving home? Not just museums, you can go anywhere on the net. Now that's amazing. So where else can we go? Want to write a letter to President Clinton? Would he answer us? I bet he would. Let's tell him how much we love the internet. In the age of coronavirus, the internet has become more important than ever in terms of how we work, how we play, and how we socialize. It's hard to imagine living through this pandemic without it. InputMag.com editor-in-chief Josh Topolsky recently wrote an ode to our current way of life called Thank God for the Internet. Here he is reading an excerpt. Thank God for the Internet. What the hell would we do right now without the Internet? How would so many of us work, stay connected, stay informed, stay entertained? For all of its failings and flops, all of its breaches and blunders, the Internet has become the digital town square that we always believed it could and should be. At a time when politicians and many corporations have exhibited the worst instincts, we're seeing some of the best of what humanity has to offer. And we're seeing it because the internet exists. Thanks so much for sharing that excerpt from your excellent essay, Josh, and welcome to the show. Hi, and and you're welcome. So what prompted you to write this essay? This essay was born out of a conversation that I had with my wife, Laura, who is a a writer and an editor, and uh, she always has the best ideas. And frankly, all of my good ideas are probably just uh, stolen idea from her. I mean, the whole idea was we were just sitting there one day talking about how amazing it is that the internet exists and that we can do all of the things that we need to do in this extremely unusual situation where, I mean, you think of apocalypse scenarios all the time and none of them are like, I have to stay at home and be online all the time. Like that's not an apocalypse situation that you see in movies. So it's pretty incredible that at this moment we are stuck in our houses all alone And the only way we can get to one another is through the internet, really. And it just happens to allow us to do so many things that never would have been possible without it. It's made this horrible experience somewhat more bearable. And so it was really just a very pure, I mean, she was like, thank God for the internet. And I was like, oh my God, yes, thank God for the internet. So what are the things that you're thanking God for? What are some of the best things you've seen on the internet since we all started sheltering in place? I want to say I'm I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. So <laughs> I didn't think there's a better way to express this, by the way, than thank God for the internet. Because if you say like, thank goodness for the internet or the internet is great, it doesn't actually sum up the idea. You know, one of the things that I thought was so was magical, and I mention it, um, I follow Questlove on uh, Instagram. He started doing this thing very impromptu, it seemed like, where he would just start DJing. Ask you, shall we see? You know, he's doing a live DJ set. He's like at his, I don't know where he is, an apartment or house. There were a ton of people watching and listening. And, you know, Questlove is like interacting with the people you know, some of whom he knows, some of whom are just random. And it was just like so nice. Um, my daughter has been doing, I mentioned this in the article too, my daughter has been doing these uh, daily drawing exercises with this author, Mo Willems, who's written all of these children's books. And it's so amazing. I mean, this is one of the things that I was really struck by is to, to watch you know, she's six years old. She hasn't had that much life up to this point. So it's like, you know, this is, it's for us, it's like what, this is completely crazy. She's very adaptable. But I was thinking, you know, watching her draw, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of kids all over America, maybe all over the world doing the same thing together. That's unheard of. 
I mean, it's really unheard of. I mean, she goes to school with, you know, 14 people in her class or, 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 or whatever the number is. This is her like getting a lesson with hundreds of thousands of other kids at the same time. To me, that's like really beautiful. I mean, it's, it's horrible because we all want to leave our house and go back to normal, but it's a beautiful idea of what the internet can be of, of what it, and it is exactly what I thought the internet was going to be when I was a kid. You talk in the piece about not letting Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos off the hook. Warehouse workers at Amazon are complaining that the company isn't doing enough to protect them. Amid the pandemic, how can the average internet user navigate this fraught landscape? I think right now you've got to do what you got to do in a way. And, and that means that you've got to interact with services that are owned by people that you may not like or agree with. I mean, Facebook has become a necessary evil for some people. Amazon has become a necessary evil for some people. And the reality is, in the midst of a crisis, it's hard to step back and say, my hate for Mark Zuckerberg is larger than my need to connect with with the people that I know that are on Facebook. Keep in mind that there will be a day after this, and there will be a return to some version of normal life. And so you can't disregard the bad things. And I think that you know, when when everybody settles back into some version of, of normal life and we're doing less social distancing, we still have to put the tough questions to these guys. How long do you think the internet will remain good for? How long can this last? The bad stuff is still there, but I think it's been kind of, and I, and I say this in the article, it's been kind of pushed to the, to the edges a little bit more. I just think if you go on Twitter today, you'll still feel pretty bad at the end of reading through your feed. There's still plenty of bad actors. There's still all of the, the, the worst people are still on the internet. But I think what's changed, and this is the most important thing, and I hope that we all learn a lesson from this, what is changing and what needs to ultimately change is the way that we think of using the internet, the way that we approach the internet, the things that we get out of the internet for ourselves. I hope people are thinking about what they need and what they want to get out of the internet and what makes them feel good and bad and understanding where those places are and where those bad places are and not going there. And I think this experience has given us all a little bit more of a window into where the good is. Thank you very much, Josh. And I'll see you on the internet. Oh, you definitely will. Thanks. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Joshua Topolsky. Head over to InputMag.com to read his essay, Thank God for the Internet. Now on to today's second story. Living with chronic pain is hell. Oftentimes, doctors don't have the answers, so people with chronic illnesses, especially the invisible kind, turn to social media for advice and support. InputMag.com news editor Cheyenne McDonald, who suffers from chronic pain herself, recently wrote about the importance of the internet in her life. Here she is reading an excerpt from her piece. I've always been the friend who just gets sick a lot. That's simply my normal. And when you're used to living a certain way, enough time passes that you can almost forget that it's not normal. That is, until something takes a turn for the worse and upsets your whole routine. For me, that was in autumn 2017 when I was 24. Months ignorable joint pains became constant and excruciating. Fatigue I'd attributed to overworking swallowed me whole. The aching in my chest became the stabbing emergency room kind, and the sun felt like a mortal enemy. Thanks so much for joining me, Cheyenne. Yeah, thanks for having me. So how much do you actually know about your chronic pain condition? I wish I could tell you that I know 
more than I do. But to be honest, I'm still very much learning. Doctors float around terms like lupus and fibromyalgia, but no one is completely concrete on what's going on. So still very much in the diagnosis process. So where does the internet come in? The internet has been everything. Like I mentioned, things are still pretty unclear and doctors haven't been super informative when it comes to telling me what's going on and helping me figure things out. So I've just been basically Googling since day one to try and learn based on my symptoms how to live my life. What's the most valuable thing you've learned from people on the internet about your condition? When you're dealing with things like pain and fatigue, you don't realize how much simple everyday activities can take a toll on your body. So, you know, I've learned just by other people's help that you need to rest when you're doing something, even if it's as simple as going to the grocery store, like it's okay to take out that time to rest and to feel exhausted. And, you know, if you're stepping out in the sunlight, for me, the sun has been a huge issue. And I didn't necessarily realize that in the beginning, you know, it never occurred to me that healthy people don't feel like they have the flu after they've been out in the sun for a while. But going online, you know, people are like, you got to wear sunscreen more than you normally would, or you have to cover yourself up and wear wide brimmed hats. And little changes like that have actually made a huge difference in my energy level and in my pain and just in realizing that this is normal for us. So you spoke to several people for this piece. What did you learn from them? I spoke to people kind of all around the world. You know, there was someone in Australia and someone in LA. And one thing we all agreed on, even though we have different conditions, but we're all still in this chronic pain journey together, is that while we're living in this pandemic and the world is kind of freaking out, dealing with feelings of isolation, we're just already so used to that. I'm asking them how their routines have changed and what they've had to do lifestyle-wise in the past few weeks that may have been different. And, you know, we all just kind of laugh because nothing's different, really. We weren't going out anyway. Where do you think you'd be without social media? It's really hard to imagine, and I wouldn't even want to imagine what my life would be like without social media, because, you know, like I said, there's so much self-doubt that happens when you go to doctors and at first you feel like they believe you and then they kind of dismiss you after that or you're just rushed out of the office. You know, you start to think maybe this is all in my head, like maybe they're right, maybe I'm just losing it. And like, you know, I, I have a very, very great support system, my family, my friends, my partner partners are so good but like they don't they don't understand but I can sign on to reddit and immediately someone's saying exactly what I'm going through you know and it's very reassuring it's very validating I mean I can't even explain how important it is to just not feel alone in this you can follow Cheyenne on twitter at underscore c-h-e-y-m-a-c and I am at mark yarm For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. Thank you for listening.